Welcome to the Barely Living Dread Girls podcast, where we like to get high and talk about horror movies. I'm Casey. And I'm Jess. <laughs> and we're in a good mood. I don't know why we're singing, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, as you guys know, if you have been listening, that we are in the hot and heavy midst of Stephen King. Summer. We are in the clutches of Stephen King. I've never felt more universe. clutched in my life. I love him. I want to hug him. <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about The Dead Zone, which I'll admit, I didn't know was a movie. I thought it was a series. And it is, but... See, I did not know it was a series. <laughs> I only knew about the Christopher Walken movie and the book, of course. That's hilarious. So, yeah. One second. I'm just going to... I should have done this. Give it the I old I should have done that scooch. beforehand. But we're good now. Okay, so, yes, uh, Dead Zone came in, out in 1983. Book came out in 1979. And um, I do, I've had to remind myself a few times this summer, because uh, I, I do a lot of well in the book, well in the book, and I kept shaming myself for it, being like, no, talk about the movie. No, I am here to talk about Stephen King, and I will talk about the movie, goddammit, or about the book. Oh, why would you feel, why and would you I, shame yourself like I read that? the whole book for it, so this was a story that I really was not familiar with at all. I knew that Christopher Walken was in the movie, and I knew the line, the ice is gonna break. <laughs> so I knew that line, but I had no clue what this was about. <laughs> and so, <laughs> did you like that? <laughs> I, I got the snort on camera, I'm so happy. That was a really good impression. I'm not even shitting you. I love that. I was uh, <laughs> That's like the line of this movie. That is the line that everyone quotes and makes oh fun of. And it is not in the book because that whole scenario plays out 100% differently. But, uh, so I am going to be comparing to the book a lot. Um, so, like I was saying, I had no idea what this story was about. I had no idea. Um, but because I have been putting a lot of movies on this summer of movies that I haven't seen. A lot of them are. Um, I decided to put this in. I've heard a lot of good things about it. So I read the book. Um, on a regular book scale, I would give it a 7.5, 8 out of 10. On a Stephen King scale, as far as, like, as far as a good, how good of a book it is, that's the scale I would give it. On my enjoyment of a Stephen King book, I would give it, like, a 4. Only because... There's a lot of politics in the book of things that I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. It's written beautifully. And I love Johnny in the book. I love him in the movie, too. Um, and there's a lot of fleshed out characters and things that I really, really enjoyed about the book. Um, but the every time we would go to Greg Stilson in the book and we would be there for a chapter, I'd just be like, Oh, I hate him. Oh, my God. So, anyway, in 1979, Stephen King predicted Donald Trump. Basically. If you read the book, it's eerie. Like, it's, like, some of the things that, like, Stilson doesn't, says in the book specifically, like, rallies and the way people talk about him and to him, it's eerie. Jesus. And if you ever wondered, well, if you ever wondered how he felt, feels about him, how Stephen King feels about Donald Trump, look at his Twitter for five minutes. 
But also, read this, because he predicted it, man. He, I mean, Simpson-style predicted. Wow. Yeah. Um, speaking on that, I'm convinced Matt Groening has made a deal with the devil, and that's how the Simpsons has predicted all the things it has over the years. Anyway. <clears throat> the Dead Zone. Starring... <laughs> Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. I um, love Christopher Walken. Me too. And I had no idea this was a Cronenberg film. I didn't either until it came up and I said, David Cronenberg, yay! I said, that was my first note too. It was like, I didn't know this was Cronenberg. It, on that note, it didn't feel very Cronenberg to me at all. Um, because it's not written and directed yeah. by Cronenberg. It's not a Cronenberg original. Yeah. It's a Cronenberg adaptation. I know. I was still like, mm, more gore. Oh yeah, there's like no body horror. No, none. But um, I think my introductory notes on the movie, since I haven't read the book, are that <laughs> I thought it it was good, but I thought it jumped around a lot, a lot, and I I have thoughts on that. There were a lot of things that I thought were the the main point of the movie, and then I would pause it, and it would still have 45 minutes left of the movie. And I'm like, okay. I know what you're talking about, too. Yep. So, for me, that was, like, it was just kind of hard to follow at times for me, because I'm just like, and what, this, is, what is the main conflict? Even, and that this honestly proves that even the greatest directors of all time have a hard time with Stephen King. His books are different than, like, I am an avid reader. I love reading. I started a book club recently that I, like, I love books. I love them. I love reading. Stephen King's obviously my favorite author. His work is truly different than anything else. Like, beyond his universe that he's created, beyond these scary things that he makes, his details and his characters and his stories, they go off on these tangents. They heavily heavily focus on character development and character relationships and it is so hard to get that across on screen and to know in a movie what to cut out of the book if i <laughs> i'm not a director if i had made this movie though there are so many things that i would have cut out and focused on the parts of the movie that everyone's like oh dead zone's about this okay well i would have made the movie about that then and i would have cut out sarah and the mom and so many other things that i loved about the book but that's because the book had time mm -hmm. to flesh their relationships out and all these other things and yeah i yeah that's why i literally texted her i was like i'm really excited to hear what you think about the movie because for the first like three quarters of it you're like it's like you get whiplash because yeah. it's balancing around so much. And then the last, like, half hour or whatever, it's like, okay, this is what it's about, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. Book yeah. was a lot better. But it, Christopher yeah. Walken makes up for a lot. Also, like, another pet peeve of mine. Sorry to start off with the negatives, but the shitty transition scenes, the black screen, like, the, oh, it drives, it looks so cheap. And again, this was, uh, I can't remember who the screenplay was written by, but he's really, like, prolific. The editor's really prolific. Like, it just proves that even when you have the best of the best working on something, 
you can still get it wrong. And again, Stephen King's hard to adapt. He his books are the hardest. I I just think Mike Flanagan should be only one allowed to make his movies. I love Mike Flanagan. I love Mike Flanagan. We're gonna have to do more Mike Flanagan movies. We're ending Stephen King's summer with Gerald's Game. Um, Woof. But yeah, we're gonna have to do Hush and just I. He's great. Yes. So, um, one of the first things that uh, comes out of Christopher Walken's mouth in this movie, and he mentions it again later, is Sleepy Hollow, the story of Sleepy Hollow. And if you've ever seen the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow with Johnny Depp, Christopher Walken plays the Headless Horseman. (laughs) So I thought that was fucking hilarious that he's sitting there talking about it. And I'm like, you are that guy. That guy you're talking, you play that guy. That's, I actually haven't. You haven't seen it? I think I've seen it, but didn't it come out, like, 10? Early 2000s. Okay, so many years ago. Early 2000s. I want to say, like, 2003 or something. Or maybe even 98, 99. It was uh, a long it was time ago. Height. It was at the height of Johnny Depp. He was still really young. And then it's him and Christina Ricci, I want to say. Oh, love her. And then, yeah. And it's actually a pretty good movie. It's I think I have seen it. I really just weird. think that, like, it's been so long that I can't remember yeah. a damn thing about it. 100%. So 100%. that's actually really funny, though, because I had no idea. Mm-hmm. That's really fun to look back on. But, um, so, yeah, he was a really charismatic teacher. I would have loved to have him. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he loved, he was passionate about teaching. He loved yeah, it. Johnny really does love yeah. teaching. That's like his big thing. And I mean, you start off the class and he's like reciting Edgar Allan Poe. I love Edgar Allan Poe. Obviously, I have a tattoo. Um, and, and I'm Edgar Im- Allan Poe. <laughs> but immediately, we are. Getting that bouncing around because it goes from the classroom to the amusement park to back to Sarah's house. Like it, you get no sense of what their relationship is before the accident. Okay, cut her out. I get why she needs to be there for the end, but then the mom and the dad are a huge part of the book. I mean, the mom's mental decline while Johnny's in the coma is like hard to read like she is going down the rabbit hole like she's a conspiracy theorist like super super crazy i didn't get any of that from the movie yeah no that none of that's in there and johnny and the dad like johnny's in the coma but the dad's really struggling with it because obviously he doesn't believe any of it he's just trying to keep her sane when johnny wakes up and starts having his like visions and stuff the mom gets even crazier i can imagine like it's it's such a crazy like they should have cut the mom and dad out because you get, like, these little glimpses of the mom saying these weird things or, like, what, it just, cut that shit out. Honestly, Give us a few yeah. more minutes of Johnny and Sarah. Because part of the thing, because <laughs> Sarah's character comes off a lot better in the book. Because in the book, they have only been dating for six weeks. It is their third date. They have only kissed a couple times, have never slept together. Have not they are, proclaimed they were going no, to be married. <laughs> no, they, they were literally just a brand new couple when all this happened. Johnny goes into his coma. She eventually meets her husband and gets married, which makes so much sense. In this, you're just like, oh, this is an established couple. Like, they might as well be married. Or, But, I mean, he does take her home at the end of the night. and But you, you don't get that sense of they're a new couple, and so when he no, comes out like, of his I'm coma, crazy about you. Like, when he comes out of his coma, and she's married, it seems like, oh well, fuck her. I can't believe that. I mean, I know it was five years, but still, it almost feels like the movie's trying to get you to be like, oh, how could Sarah? Especially with like the vernacular of when he came out of the coma, the his mother being like, you know, 
wipe her from your memories, basically. Like Yeah, and I forget the way she like phrased it, but it was, remember, it was but it was weird. Yeah, it was just and like it again, you don't get the sense from Don't bother yourself with yeah, her or something like that. You get the sense from Johnny in the movie that he is upset with Sarah. Mm-hmm. That she found another lover, and he's like, married? Oh my god, what the fuck? And in the book, yes, he's like, oh wow, she got married. But the whole time, he's like, dude, I don't blame her. We were right. barely together. I'm happy for her, you know, he's... And yes, he's sad, he still does love Sarah. Because again, to him, it's the next day. Like, exactly. they were dating last yeah. week. For her, she's had five years to get over the grief and get past it. And uh, so I just... Because I like Sarah. Sarah's great. I think she's great. She's an adulterer, but I think she's great. <laughs> and I don't like... I'm going to crumble a paper. I don't like that she works for Stilson's campaign, or her husband does. And I don't like that she campaigns for him. I know. Because in the book, she can't fucking stand that man. From the first time he is mentioned, and like he's like running for mayor of a small town, she's like, that man is fucking dangerous. And the dad is, and Johnny is. Everyone hates him except for the, you know, the masses. But all the characters in the book that you know and love are like, oh, that man's dangerous. But in this, she's campaigning for him. She's got a big button. She's handing out buttons. But I And pamphlets. But I also get why they did it. For, because it changed yeah. the ending. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, it goes... He has this, like, weird look on his face on the ride. None of this makes sense. None of it, because if the accident is what caused these premonitions, if you will, and in why the, was he acting like his head was, like... And in ooh. the book, he had a uh, um, an event happen when he was a little kid, and he hit his head really hard. And he, like, didn't really have visions, but he had, like feelings kind of thing mm-hmm. so then the accident really brought it out yeah there was no inkling to that no. it was just him on a roller coaster like Ugh. it makes you it makes the the movie and that that makes sense the movie makes it seem like the accident was solely the cause but yeah you get this like weird and that doesn't make sense just give us that time to get their relationship introduce the mom being a crazy religious lady or because I didn't get the sense from the mom Something. at all. I didn't think that she was crazy. I thought she was just missing her son. And I thought that, like, the only time I felt that she had finally lost grip with reality was in the end of her life. And in the book, she dies. But it it has so much weight to it because Johnny really um, blames himself for it because she's watching him on the TV and that's why he refuses uh, Sheriff Brennan's uh, proposal to, like, yeah, help with the investigation. Because he's like, no, this is bad. These This only brings bad things. You know, in his heart, he's like, I killed my mom with this. I don't want to use this. You don't get that from the movie. She's just there and then she dies. Like, just cut her character out then. There are just so many things that they... It's almost... It almost feels like fan service. It almost feels like, oh, well, there are people who read the book who are going to want every single little piece, and it doesn't matter if it makes sense as a movie. No. Yeah. We liked the book, but I still want to enjoy and like the movie. And people want to enjoy and like the movie without having to sit there and read a 300-page novel. I'm illiterate. Sometimes you want to sit for an hour and 44 and watch Christopher Walken yell about... Do the thing. (laughs) The ice is gonna break. (laughs) I'm going to keep putting that little clip in of me and of him doing it. Um, 
So I'm gonna stab uh, you in the face with a soldering iron. Soldering. <laughs> so um, and again, uh, oh, man. it's not him driving in the book. It's a cab driver, and it's two teams racing, drag racing down both sides of the street. Ah. Um, but in this, it's a sleepy truck driver, which you know less background or less characters, you know. Um, and he's carrying a uh, tanker truck full of milk, which is disgusting. Did you want to know why it's milk? Because I thought it was very random, and I was like, why'd they pick milk of all things? Jeffrey knew why. Jeff knows all. What? So, it's because, so in in big trucks like that, that have liquid, normally there are those breaker things, so there's like sections of it, Mm -hmm. and sections of the liquid, so that when it's going and stopping, the liquid sloshing around doesn't have as much weight. Oh, yep, yep. In a milk truck, even to this day, you can't have that because milk spoils so quickly and it has to be washed out so often and it can only be in there for so long that they don't have those. And so when a milk truck stops, suddenly all the weight comes forward. And so it's like really, really hard to drive those. And they're like really dangerous. So I'm like, well, and that's why they would flip so easily because all that weight. I was like, how is this? Like he had plenty of time to stop. And why would it be milk, of all things? It's yeah. like, why wouldn't you make it anything else? No, well, that's why. That's crazy. Also This gross, is a learning cause... podcast. Also disgusting. Teach me how to read. <laughs> Teach me how to Dougie. <laughs> Do it. Right now. Bet you won't. I don't know. I said teach me how to. This is... Yeah, but you have to teach me. I don't know how to Dougie either. <laughs> So, I know um, how to pop lock and drop it and do the soldier boy. Tell him. Right. <laughs> um, I do think it's interesting how there are, like, no transition shots of, like, him in the bed. It just kind of him waking up. For you, was that more or less effective to, like, see him? Like, would you have preferred, like, not knowing how long it was going to be, he was going to be in a coma... Would you have preferred to see, like, shots of people, like, coming in to see him? Like, a shot of the mom in there? Like, like a montage kind of thing? Or, or did like, you prefer even, like, a time the, lapse would have been cool. Or would you, or did you prefer the way they did it where it's, like, all of a sudden he's awake and you're like, oh, I wonder how long it's been, and then somebody... I kind of <laughs> like the, the mystery. Nice. Because um, it's obviously not a mystery in the book. You're with, I mean, you're, you're with all the characters while he's in his coma. That's, like, yeah. a third of the book. Oh, is wow. Is him being in yeah. the coma. Yeah. I like I liked it because um, it it kind of had me hang on. I li- I literally just wrote down like how long has he been in this coma and like they drag it out for quite a few minutes before I, we find out. And I like the way he discovers it. He's like looking at his hands and He's then he like, feels his face. He's like, no bandages, no scratches. And then not a in, scratch. In his mind, he's like, well, for a second, he's like, wow, I can't believe I came out of that without a scratch on me. After we saw him, like, when he first got into the coma. And he was all fucked, fucked up. up. Yeah. Uh, so that's when the mom, I think the mom says it, or somebody does. You know, another thing that kind Five of... Years. Yeah, another thing that kind of bothered me is that we're made in the movie to believe that Sarah is, like, this bad person for moving on with her life, yet she... Like, when she sees him again, she's like, yeah, your dad called me. Mm-hmm. So, like, why would her dad still have a relationship with her if she was this awful person? Yeah. You know? And I love Herb 
and Sarah's relationship in Me the book. Me too. It is so sweet, is the it? dad and Sarah, because oh, yeah. they they keep each other sane when Johnny first gets into the coma, because Vera, the mom, is just nutso. Yeah. And so Herb and Sarah, they send letters back and forth, and when she does meet a guy, like, he's, like, so happy for her. He goes to her wedding. It is this, I love their relationship. But yeah, in the movie, it's like, ah, oh, fuck that bitch. We haven't seen her in five years. And it's like, no. Okay, I like Sarah, but whatever. But again, setting her up as this not evil character, but more, um, I don't know if sinister is the right word, but I guess more beige character, a more neutral character. It makes her movie self make more sense to be working with. Stilson. Greg Stilson. Yeah. So. I, I just want to say that I'm not waiting five years for any man. So I can't blame her. No. 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 Anyways. No, I'm... No. And when he wakes up, she's married and has a baby. A, a little baby. A little, the cutest little baby named Denny. Denny. Like Denny's. Like pancakes. Like yeah. a Grand Slam. I... Denny. <laughs> I will cry, Casey. We laugh. We cry. We snort. Did you get my uh, snap when I was in Vegas when I went by the Wahlburgers and there was that cardboard cutout of Donnie? I sent her a snap <laughs> of the cardboard cutout of Donnie Wahlberg and I just said, I did it! <laughs> He'll never be anything else to me. I'm gonna um, watch Saw 2 and get really confused and be like, why do you have a son? <laughs> um, anyway, so now we get to the scene that has been parodied to hell and back. Oh my god. There is, I mean, this entire movie's been parodied to hell and back. The guy waking up from the coma and gaining psychic powers. It's been on The Simpsons. It's been on American Dad. It's, I mean, it, it has been parodied. And specifically this scene of, like, grabbing the nurse's hand and doing the, like, uh, yeah. like, yeah, it's... <laughs> Your facial expressions and my voice. <laughs> we are Chris Roy. We are. <laughs> Hold on, do the voice and I'll do the. the I can't. <laughs> the ice. It's gonna break. It's gonna break. <laughs> uh, so. Oh, shit. So I do like the way they do this in the movie, how we're oh, like man. seeing his visions. He kind of gets transported into them. Um, the roof. The, the roof. roof. Your the house is on, on fire. fire. Your daughter's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> Your house is burning to the ground. So yeah, he sees this little girl like sitting in a corner screaming, uh, and the house is on fire, and he tells the nurse, like, hey, your house is on fire. Go do Amy is screaming. Do something about it. And she's like, Okay. So that happens. And then the doctor um, touches his hand and he gets a premonition about that. And <laughs> I put the wolf is loose. <laughs> I also wrote the wolf is loose. <laughs> Who says that? Johnny. <laughs> and I don't know why. Because it makes no sense in his. Because no. this is when he's having the. Because then he touches Dr. Wezak. That is yeah. not how he pronounced it in the book. 
You know when you're reading a book and, and you have like you see a name that you can't pronounce like a name of a city or name of a person and whenever it comes up in the book your mind just goes hung and then they went to Dr. Hung's house and yeah that's what my mind did for the entirety of this book and I didn't think about it and then they said Weezak and I was like that's dumb. <laughs> But he touches his hand, and he sees this, like, war setting, and there are tanks. I mean, it's it's clearly a very, like, I was confused at first, because the first vision we saw was the present. Happening in that moment. And this one, we find, is from the past. Yes, from when Dr. Uh, Balzac, I mean, Wezak, is in, uh, was a child in wartime Germany, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and his mother, like, put him on a truck because they were running away and they got separated. He was told that his mother died during the war. And so he hasn't seen her since she- he was a child. And Johnny's like, your mother's alive. Um, she I know lives- a name, number, address. So uh, go find your mother. And uh, he's like, no, nah, my, my, my mom's, she's dead. But... He gives him that information, and the guy calls, and his mother's there. And I think it's so sweet and so, like, sad that he doesn't say anything. Because, like, I try to think about, like, like what would you do? Like, because so, in the book it does specify, and I think it's kind of specif- or implied here, the mother thinks that her son died, too, during war. So when they got separated, they both thought the other one died. She got married and had a family, like, wouldn't that kind of ruin it? You know what I mean? Like, to get this, like, call and, like, here's your son from your past life. I don't know. Like, also, I think I would want to know. I would want to know. I'd still want that relationship. Yeah, for, I mean, even if it was just a short amount of time. But he, like, when Johnny asks why he didn't say anything, he's like, it wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't want to fuck with fate. <laughs> yeah. Um... Which I get, and again, you know, sad. It's a bittersweet, um, like, moment. Yeah. So. So then we get to see Sarah reunite with Johnny. Is that this point? Yes, Sarah does show up. Um, and again, this is when I wrote that I'm not getting any of those, um, like, there's a heavy sense between them in the book of a lost future, um, they both really feel that when you know the future that was supposed to be um, got taken from them when Johnny went into his coma, mm-hmm. even to the point where there's you know one moment where they're all sitting around uh, the table, Denny and the dad and her and Johnny, and it's like uh, you know he even says it's or when they do their thing, <laughs> it's you know he phrases it as consummating the marriage that never was because that's, you know, that they were supposed to be together. They were probably soulmates. And then this happened. I'm going to marry you. Such corny dialogue. Uh, But yeah, I literally wrote, dude, I can't blame her. Um, He mentioned sleepy hollow again to somebody and I didn't know why, but I kept laughing about it. (laughs) I, I'm going to need you to talk about this part because he goes to the press conference and I walked away downstairs to get chapstick and didn't pause. Okay. Um, so I know what happens in the book. 
So, essentially, um, when he saw Sarah again, he was like, I want people to forget about me. Like, I want to, I don't want to be this freak in the news. You know, like, I just want to live a normal life if I can. Right. And then he goes. I've already lost five years, bro. Can you imagine losing five years? Life already seems so short as it is. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. So, um, the doctor's like, are you sure you want to do this press press conference? He's like, I just want to get it over with. I just want to get it over with. And so, he goes in there and this, like, dick-ass reporter was, like, asking him all these questions about how he feels about current political candidates and everything and he's like i don't know who that is I've been like bro for five years. he was in a coma for five fucking years but yeah this guy's like a naysayer he doesn't believe that he's real he thinks he's just a crook who's gonna you know go on the circuit and mm-hmm. you know start asking for money and you know oh your aunt's speaking to me those kind of people so he's like you know in inter- like antagonizing him i should say and then he gets up and he's like touch my hand touch my hand and he's like you want me to touch your hand? He's like, touched his hand. He looks at him. He's like, you blame yourself that your sister killed herself. You want to know why your sister killed herself? All right. You don't go. It's not all right. It's okay. It's not okay. Okay. I could tell you now. I'm not going to talk about that. Let go of me, you fucking freak. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. Uh, you need to let me go. We're not going to talk about that. And he's like starting to get into it. And the guy's like, fucking freak like bro you literally were begging for that yep sorry that you didn't like what you made happen and that is what happened in the book except instead of touching his hand he uh gives him this like gold coin thing and puts it in johnny's hand and johnny closes his hand and it's his sister's sobriety chip and uh something happens that, like, the brother did or what the, the reporter guy did and then the sister, like, got drunk and got into an accident and died. And so he keeps her chip and then, yeah, he blames himself and, yeah, Johnny calls him out and he starts freaking out. He's like, you fucking freak, I fucking hate you, you piece of shit. I can't believe you got that information on me and somehow blah, 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 vent, you know, vetted the reporters that were going to be here and it's like, no, dude, you just, you got proven wrong. It's fine. So while that's happening, it's being um, broadcast on the news and someone dies. It's his mom. I was like, she's like, they're being so mean to my boy. And I was like, oh, but like, did she have a stroke? Did she? Okay. I don't know if it was a stroke or a heart attack. I couldn't tell. Stroke. Yeah. It was really sad. And again, she's such a good guy in the movie. Like, later on, he's even, like, praising her. He's like, my mom told me I had a purpose or something like that. She is not the good guy in the book. She pissed me off in the book. She is so bad to Herb in the book. And, like, he does so much for her. And she just goes fucking crazy. Aw. Well, I'm kind of glad that I didn't see that. Because that would have made me sad. Yes. But, um, unfortunately, she passes away. And that's when I said earlier that she made that, like, kind of offhand comment to him about, you know, making sure he cleans his boots off. She doesn't want him trekking snow all over the house. And then... It's just her dying... It's just the words of a dying woman. Yeah. You and then know, she passes. You know, know what's going on. So, shortly after this, um, we have the sheriff come to the house of uh, Herb and Johnny. And I got really excited because it's 
Tom Skerritt. It's Tom Skerritt. And He's I looking love good. Tom Skerritt. He's looking good. Not he gonna looks lie. great, right? Like, I mean, this is A-cab, just. cab but he's just acting. Yeah. I mean, it's what, four years after Alien? And yeah, he looks, he looks, he looks really good. I love him. I was so excited. I didn't know he was in this. So when he came on screen, I was like, is that, is that Tom Skerritt? And because it was like a head on. And then we got like a three quarter view of him. And he did his like smile. And I was like, that's Tom Skerritt. Yeah, I love him in this. Um, he is trying to get the help of Johnny because, I mean, obviously he's heard all the stories and he's seen the news about his, you know, so-called abilities. And This he's... was my favorite part of the book. Not this scene, but this section. Se- yeah. It, it's, like, it's like three parts, which works for the book, not so much for the movie. Yeah, this... When he comes in and asks for Johnny's help to catch the Castle Rock killer, I thought that was the whole rest of the movie. I was invested in that. Yeah. That wasn't the case, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was disappointed in the book when it came to a close so uh, quickly because then we went back to politics for a while. Yeah, it was so abrupt. I was just like, like it, there wasn't even really that much investigation at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it just. Which is kind of the point because he. You know, Johnny knows things immediately. Uh, But not always. He doesn't, you know, it just, it happens when it happens. Mm -hmm. We get a look into his closet that's full of things that people have sent him, asking questions like, hey, please touch this. Please figure out where my, that might be later. Is that later? Mm -hmm. That's later. So next what happens is they take a break from that scene and they go. Well, we get in that scene, we get some fine-ass walk-in acting. Like, in so far in the movie, he hasn't really done a whole lot. He's just kind of been subdued. This is him fucking capital A acting. And I love to see it. Sorry. No, it's okay. Because he, like, uh, Scarrett says something about him being blessed oh, with yeah. this gift. And he's like, it's not a fucking blessing. I'm not blessed. Like, you know what God did for, like, did to me? And, like, yeah. I was like... I'm not fucking blessed. I was like. Right around here I wrote, God, his eyes are beautiful. Christopher Walken has the bluest, bluest eyes. He's, he's a handsome guy. I love him. Me too. He's just great. Just um, great. Yeah. So he's talking to his doctor and he's talking about how like, when he has the premonitions, he feels like he's dying inside, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah, he gets really bad headaches. It's just an all-around not good experience for him or the person he's touching. Because he, like, squeezes the shit out of him. Well, and they just get this feeling of, like, really sick sickness, dread, like, revulsion. Like, they feel so disgusted by him, in a sense. Like, they they don't want to touch. Like, you know what I mean? It's just Mm -hmm. like a, please stop fucking touching me, I hate you. Like, immediate, like, revulsion for him. Which is fair, because that's not natural. (laughs) Right. But then we uh, we cut to Christmas, and Sarah brings her son over, her little 10-month-old bebe. Little bebe. To uh, see Johnny and Herb for Christmas. The bebe. And um, I truly thought they, like, started, like, kissing and stuff, and I was like, he's imagining this. I thought aww, it was a dream sequence. That would be so sad. I really thought that. I mean, it's so sad that she fucked him knowing... That he loved her so much and that she was just going to go back to her little boo-boo husband. He knew, too. He knew. 
What's the point? Because they wanted to fuck. I get that. But I felt like, to me, I was like, damn, it's kind of like leading him on. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I can see how you'd get that. In the movie. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, I can totally see how you would get that. But at the the line where he's like, am I going to see you again? She's like, not like this. Right. I was like, okay, you shut it down there, but like. In the, it is most definitely not Christmas in the book because they do it in the barn in the book. They very lightly implied to it in the movie. No, they fuck in the book. (laughs) They be fucking. They do it. (laughs) Um, I do think it's a, a cute little line. Because he said, because she invited him in that night before he got into his accident. And he said, some things are worth waiting for. And then yeah. that night she says, haven't we waited long enough? Let's fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, they're all having the little dinner around the table. It's the family that, you know, should have been. And the grandchild that Herb never got to have. And He built the, he built that little um, baby chair. chair. Hi, yeah. The oldest high chair in existence. <laughs> he brought it out and I was like, wow, that's primitive. <laughs> it was cute, though, that he still had it. Yes, he's like, I built this the day that Johnny was born. Um, I know, it was so cute. But the, do is it the news that we find out? Oh, yeah, so then they're going to bed and Johnny's like, I'm going to stay up and watch TV for a bit. And that's when he sees on the news that the most recent victim... Of the um, Castle Rock killer, who is also a rapist, um, was a 15-year-old. And that's when he's like... They aged her up for the movie. How old? Nine. The last victim was nine. There was a 15-year-old victim, and that was the youngest up to that point. And when Johnny saw the nine-year-old victim... um, And in the book... Sheriff Bannerman, um, his daughter, it's the same age as Sheriff, Sheriff Bannerman's daughter, and she was walking along the same path as the little girl that got taken that day, and yeah, because she's nine years old. Oh nine. God. So yeah, that's when Johnny's like, I'm gonna help. Okay, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. Uh. And they found... When he, you know, finally decides to help, that's when they found, as he's talking to the sheriff, another body. Another number body. 10. Yeah, the number, 10th body. Which is insane to be, you know, assaulted and murdered. And um, when we see him together with Bannerman and they're, like, investigating these little places. Because he's taking Johnny to scenes of the crime and things so he can touch stuff and try to get, like, a you know, his vision. And, um... He, and when they're in the book, they are alone. It is just the two of them. And me having read the story, watching the movie, I know who the culprit is. And when we're watching the movie, all of a sudden his deputy's there. And I'm like, is that, is that deputy Dodd? Because in the book, you don't meet him until he's dead. You just hear of him. You just know that there's a deputy Dodd. We're with him the entire time in this movie. And then someone says, hey, Dodd, something. And I was like, oh, my God, that's him. Oh, yeah. It's probably when the sheriff was like, hey, Dodd, like, keep the people down. I was like, oh, that's him. 
And mm. I, yeah. I um, was just, I was like, because they do it in, like, small parts. Like, he's, like Casey said earlier, like, it transported him into the, to the vision. And he's like, she's not afraid of him. He, like, she knows him. He's, like, up in a gazebo and he calls to this girl. He's like, hey, why don't you put on a smile? Come up here. I want to show you something. And she's like, okay, I'll be right up. Like, she knows this person. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, facing away from where Johnny is so Johnny can't see his face in the vision. Um, And, like, the girl's walking up. This was a part that shocked me. I did not expect the movie to go this far. It was something that I think was so out of place for this movie. Oh, I know what you're talking so about. It felt so gratuitous because so in this moment, Johnny's watching all of this, which I'm sure is horrifying. Um, the girl gets up there. He starts attacking her. He opens his coat and there's his scissors. Scissors that he uses. I guess that's what he uses in the movie to kill them. He's the strangler. He's like the Castle Rock strangler in the book because that's his... He's, they always talk about like the stab wounds and stuff in the movie. Okay, so I think yeah. he's, so I guess he's the a Castle Rock stabber. Stabber, yeah. Um, scissor stabber. He's a scissor so stabber. He, but when he gets her down, he rips her shirt open, and we see this woman's tits. Which for a slasher, okay, I'm expecting it. For I, I, I just, I just didn't expect it in this movie when there's no other nudity. There's no other. I mean, even the sex scene. They literally kissed, and then they just were, like, hugging. That was it. Like, it just felt so out of place. I agree. And especially considering we had the only other victim we had talked about was the 15-year-old. You don't know how old this girl is. She looks like a teenager anyway. It feels, I guess, I, I don't know. Because they, they said on the news that he was a rapist. So it's not like we needed to we see needed that to, yeah. to get the, like, oh, he does that too. No, we know that. We know what he does. It felt... I I was so taken aback for a few minutes that I was like, I... Why did we see that? And it's the split... He opens her shirt, we see it, it cuts away, that's the end. Well, it shows him, like, kissing her boob. It, yeah, it does show him, like, going down for it. But it's like... Wow. Okay. I you agree. Know, I, I think it was absolutely unnecessary. And we not, knew what was going to happen. I'm I'm usually I'm fine with gratuitous nudity. It's fine, and I don't think that all nudity is gratuitous. I think in some situations it really does serve a purpose. Not, not this here. case. Not yeah. here. It was unnecessary and it felt weird. Um, but I, I wrote right around here that it's so like King to have this this be such a minor part of the movie of what another writer or even himself or anybody would make the entire book about, about a man who gains these powers and then is looking for this serial rapist murderer who's killing these young girls and they're trying to find him, trying to figure it out for, and no, this is just sprinkles on top of a story he's already writing. Yeah. That's why I was a little, like, I thought this was the main focal point of the movie. Yeah. And then when he, all of a sudden he's like, it's Dodd. Like, yeah. It's fucking Dodd. I just saw yeah. his face. I saw his face. And yeah. then, like, the sheriff, like, turns around and Dodd is gone. Yeah, he ran. He ran to his home with his weird-ass fucking bedroom. You're a grown-ass man. You got horses on the wall. And his mom, like, they're... His mom's the, cuckoo. In the book, Johnny gets the information in his visions that uh, he was sexually abused by his mom as a young kid. Mm. And so that's, like, why he grew up all crazy and stuff. And 
the mom knows. That's one of the other revelations that we get when he goes home. Mm -hmm. Johnny touches the mom, and the mom knew about all of it. It's Mm -hmm. not like uh, he was hiding it from her. No, the mom was covering it up for him. Because he Um, saw, um, Johnny saw Dodd in the window while the sheriff was talking to the mom. She's like, he's not here. He's not here. And he's like, well, a squad car's here. Well, she's like, well, he's not. And then... He's like, I saw him in the window. window. And then that's when he went in and touched her and saw that. And I I was like. This scene is so green. It's super green. Like, all the lighting turns. And I don't know. And she's wearing a green sweater. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out what the color was supposed to signify. I couldn't figure out if it was just for the drama, for aesthetic. But for Cronenberg. It feels like, like, it, he doesn't typically like things in a specific way like that without intention. Right. And so I don't know if maybe this was just a movie where either he didn't put that in or he was just kind of off his game or if I'm missing what I think he wanted to portray with it. I don't, I don't think I got anything. Because he's so intentional with that yeah. kind of stuff that it was like, and it seemed so intentional that I was like, what am I... What, what is this trying to evoke? What am I supposed to be getting from it? I know, because when I think of green, I think of greed, envy. Even, like, when I think of really green-tinged movies, I think of, like, the early Saw movies. Like, they all have that really green hue to it. And I was just, I don't know, it was just kind of weird and I didn't understand it. So, after this, obviously, everyone starts going crazy. Everyone's writing about Johnny. Johnny moves to a different town. As you would, because... Well, you forgot to mention how the... How Dodd died. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, he kills himself. And he... it's so fucking great. Ended up being my favorite part of the movie. Yep, he kills himself, and then, um... While how Johnny... He oh, he puts the scissors, like, he makes them stand up and open somehow. I think he's, like, he... I think he just, like, wedges it, like, between, like... The table and the bathtub yeah. or something. And then he (laughs) opens his mouth all the way, locks his fingers behind his head, and just swallows those scissors. Which I wish we would have. Oh, I wish we would have. That would have been awesome. But on, so they, you know, the sheriff and Johnny. Fuck yes, do it! (laughs) The sheriff and Johnny discover the dead body, and then they're going to leave. And the mom pulls a fucking gun off a holster off this toy fucking horse. And well, because she, because Dodd was the co- a cop, and when he got home, he put his, like, utility belt across the horse. Like, he took it off and... Jumped. I understand that, but he's a grown man, and that's a fucking toy horse. It's true. That's it's all I'm saying. True. And so she shot Johnny, and then the sheriff fucking killed her. She just shot him in the stomach, though, so he's fine. He's fine. It went straight through him, he said. But now, sir, you can... Poor guy. Just, he cannot catch a break to save his life. I said, also a grown man living in that dorky room. Of course he's a serial killer. Of course he's a serial killer. Um, so... This is when he goes to a new town, sorry. Yes, he moves to a new town. Um, Dr. Wiesak, I think, is the one that comes to visit him, and he's like, why are you all fooled up here? Uh, you know, he secluded himself, he won't leave the house, he won't go out, because he doesn't want to be bombarded with people, because... 
the crazies. I mean, that's going to bring the crazies out, a story like that. And so he uh, is, like, tutoring kids in his house. And, um, you know, he shows Wezak the closet full of letters and objects that people have sent him, you know, Hey, my sister went missing. Here's her scarf. Can you tell me what happened to her? Those kinds of things. Hey, my dog's missing. Yeah, just a million of those. And he won't open them. He won't touch them because, I mean, I don't blame him. You know what I mean? Like, they're not, what, what, what is that going to do? That Nobody's going to get closure from that. Nobody's going to feel better from that. No one. Anyway. Um, and this is where, you know, he's talking to the doctor and the doctor's like, your body weakens after each of these big premonitions. Like, you're going to die if yeah. you keep doing this. And essentially he was like... And he does. He, he In the book, his like headaches keep, keep getting worse. His body keeps decaying. And he thinks it's from the premonitions. And in the movie, I think it is implied. And I think it, that is the case. I think that's why his body is decaying. In the book, he's got a brain tumor. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I th- the doctor tries to get him to come back to the clinic to, like, you know, see if he can get him back to health. And he's like, no, like, this is my controlled environment. Like, I am holed up here. Nobody can touch me. I can't touch anybody. This is where I'm safe, and this is how other people are safe, too, yes. essentially. Yep, absolutely. Um, so he gets another visitor and it's from Roger Stewart, um, who is the father of this boy who is really, really struggling. (laughs) What is the boy's name? Chris. Okay. That's what I thought. But later he called him Stewart. What was the last name? Stewart. Oh, I didn't think about that. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck is this kid's name? I don't even remember the guy saying his last name was Stewart. So. Um, I probably only knew that because of the book. Uh, so, and this is a, a big deviation from the book. Um, in the movie, it's a younger boy who is just, like, socially inept. Or just, like, secluded. In the book, it made way more sense because it's a 17-year-old who is struggling to take tests. He can read and everything, but when he reads, it's like he's really struggling to, like process the information unless it's spoken out loud a lot of people do have that struggle Mm -hmm. and like this kid's like a huge like uh star athlete and so his dad's really worried that he's not going to graduate and you know not going to be able to make it and so he brings johnny in johnny lives in the house with them and tutors this boy full time gets him to graduate and it's really awesome and johnny changes the boy's life and this it's just like very vague the dad's just like he struggles but like he gets there the kid's reading kid's super intelligent it seems, seems like, like maybe not... like maybe he's like on the spectrum yeah like he just wants him to come out of his shell or something and it's like that johnny's a the teacher, dad doesn't not a therapist well i think the dad doesn't want to deal with it and you know in that time people didn't believe in therapy i know, I know. so i think that's that's what i got out of it i'm like okay well this kid's like Maybe he's on the spectrum, and maybe he just needs someone that knows how to deal with more people like him. Yeah. Because his dad doesn't, you know? Yep. So I think that's why him and uh, Johnny, like, got along very well. Yeah, they Because he off. just, he was like, I want to talk to you about intellectual things. Yep. And when he gets to the house to meet Chris for the first time, um, Greg Stilson's there. I hate his hair. I hate his hair so much. Ugh. I hate his hair so much. Um... 
and Jeff had to look up. I did, He didn't say anything to me until afterward. I knew who it was, but he's like, he's like, Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen look so alike. I had to look it up because I couldn't tell who it was. It's clearly Martin Sheen because yeah. it's too early for Charlie Sheen. But they do look a lot alike. They do. They, yeah. But I fucking hate his hair in this. So, yeah, Stilson's played by Martin Sheen. He um, plays a very hateable oh, politician in God, this. Yeah, the way he talks, the way he, it's. He reminds me of an evangelical, um, like an evangelical pastor. Yeah, that, like that one guy with the curly hair who's got the billion dollars. Joel Alstein. Yes. Oh, my. <laughs> Who's that one guy that died recently? I don't know, but good. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> he, um, blah, 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 blah. So, he's in the house, they're all buddy-buddy, but then later that night they see him on the TV, and Roger's like, man, that man's dangerous, he does not need to be elected, and Johnny's like, you guys were all buddy-buddy this morning, and he's like, uh, yeah, because I know he's probably going to get elected, and I need to be on his good side, but he sucks. The guy, I mean, the man knows how politics work. He's a, like, the guy, Roger Stewart, the dad, he's a very, very, like, influential, very rich man. And so, you know, it's it's going to help him to have, be on the good side of what's going to end up being his mayor. Mm-hmm. Because this guy, he just, his followers, I, the best way to describe it is, Trumpers. Like, I'm sorry if we have any people who like Trump who listen to our podcast. I don't know why you do. But, um, I mean, we talk a lot of shit. But if you do and you're still here, like, that's the way to describe it. It's the the worship that people, like, have for that man. The way that, like, Stilson, he's not saying anything. He's not, he's just using, like, buzzwords. He's just saying what people want to hear. And he, like, gets people really riled up, and it's, like, the worst people in these crowds. And it literally, like, it's it's weird to watch. It feels like... And it's like he's insulting them. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> bad. But he's always wearing this, like, construction hat, and it's just... So, he's a contemptible character. <laughs> and, um... At some point right around here is when we find out Sarah's husband works for him. And so she's, like, helping campaign. She's got the big button. Well, before and that... I wrote, okay. I wrote campaigning for Stilson. No, she hates him! <laughs> well, before that, we get a scene that... It was, like, right after um, Johnny and... What's the guy's name? Roger. Roger. Yes. We're talking about um, how dangerous this man was. It cuts to a scene of um, him breaking into a news reporter's office, um, and the guy was named Brenner, and he's like, he printed a story, he was going to release a story the next day about him that was unsavory. And that's how Stilson gets ahead all the time. He's got, like, his little lackey guy that he's always with, Mm -hmm. and they bully reporters and other politicians so that the things, the bad things he does, don't get out in the papers. Yeah. So we blackmailed him by showing him pictures that were taken of him with a woman that was not his wife. Cheating on his wife. And they were both like, your wife's a very nice lady. So, like, they had already, like, been in talks with her, so. So maybe you shouldn't have cheated on your wife, I guess. And then he wouldn't have that against you. 
That's but true. the people who don't have anything against him end up dead in the book. Yeah. And he did say, like, what if I don't make a, an agreement? And he's like, well, then I'll come back in here and bash your fucking head in. Yep. And, and that guy, like, like, he's always got that guy with him. I can't remember what his name is. Um, but, yeah, he's, like, pushing the guy around. He's he's the bulldog. He's literally, like, a guard dog for yeah. this man. And, um, so. Yeah, that's when we get to the next day of what? Nothing is coming up. So. <laughs> I wrote this before he said it. <laughs> It even it made coming. me laugh. I knew it was coming. It didn't make me laugh reading it. I, oh I, my god. I knew it was coming, so I wrote the line before it happened. But anyways, <sighs> they, so the son and Chris and um, Johnny are very close. Uh, one day, they're about to go play a hockey game. Like, the kids are on this, like, hockey team. They're going to go out on the ice and play hockey. <laughs> play hockey. <laughs> And so Johnny touches Chris by accident. Well, he doesn't do it by accident. It was when uh, Sarah left and he, like, closed the door and started crying. Yeah. Because I think he was really sad, like, meeting her husband and, like, seeing the life that he could have had. So he hugs Chris and that's when it happens. He's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Imagine you're Chris. Come here. I just want to zoom in. Ice is gonna break. <laughs> oh, that was nice. That was um, nice. <laughs> I can't wait to see how stupid that looks on film. We're really dumb. Yeah, so um, that's what he looks like. Okay, he gets the vision that when they're all playing hockey, the ice is gonna break. <laughs> The ice is gonna break! Um, and he yells that at the dad, and the dad doesn't believe him, and he's like, listen, your son's gonna die, all these kids are gonna die, don't let him go out on the ice. Freaks the little kid out. The little kid's like, I ain't going hot playing hockey, you fuck yourself. <laughs> like, so, yeah. same. I'm sorry, but if somebody no! that, like, was that adamant about something and freaking out. I don't care if you're crazy or not. <laughs> like the recent the chick on the plane. That man is that, not real. That man is not real. I'm getting off that plane. <laughs> I want to know what she saw. Rebook me. The She's funniest, on the no-fly list now. The funniest part of that fucking video was the entire plane looked back. It looked back like, the fuck? That woman was... Anyway. Um, <laughs> so... The- he fires him. In the book, again, this is a 17, 18-year-old kid that he is tutoring. Uh, The kid graduates, and the night of graduation, the whole graduating class has rented out this restaurant. And it burns to the ground, and they all burn to death. And I mean, like, a hundred-something children or something. Like, it's a lot of kids. It's this big graduating class. This is two kids drown in a lake. Yeah, it sucks, but it's horrifying in the novel. Horrifying the descriptions of, like, the bodies piled up in, like, areas because they couldn't get out. And, like, it's fucking crazy. So he's, like, he tries really hard to get, like, them to shut it down. They won't shut it down. Um, He saves a bunch of the kids because he convinces the dad, like, have a party at your house and the kids will want to come here instead. So about half of them show up there. The half that don't and don't believe him, they end up dying. And it's unfortunate. And everyone hates him. 
Johnny or the other guy? The Johnny. dad. Johnny. Why? When he's the one that said it? You know how people are. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yes, the, uh, two boy, two of the boys that were there drowned when because the ice he, breaks. Because and... he told him he was going to call it off, and then as soon as Johnny leaves, he, um, he so... goes up to Chris's room, and he's like, why aren't you in your uniform? He's like, I thought we weren't doing it, and he's like, no, we're doing it. I just said that so he, he would leave. He freaks out. Like, he, the dad's mad about it. Like, yeah, he's, he's like, pissed. don't fucking say that about my son. Like, he gets really mad. So, Johnny sees a newspaper headline that said to drown in lake or something. Luckily, so, Chris didn't go. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going. Oh, he, well, but Johnny doesn't know. He freaks out because he left that night. He got kicked out. He's, yeah. So, he doesn't know. So, he calls, hoping. And, of course, since Chris is the one who answers, he knows that he's okay. And this is another part that was changed that I didn't like. The dad is sitting there. He's, like, catatonic, which I get. Um, but he looks so pissed, and in the book, he is so grateful. Like, grateful to the point where he pays off all his medical bills, sends him a whole fuck ton of money, like, keeps sending him this check over and over again, like, please accept this, please accept our gratitude, it's the only thing I can do. And in the movie, he seems so pissed about it. I don't know if I got that he was pissed, I just got that he was numb, and I felt like he was guilty, like, he felt immense guilt. Like, I felt like he was just so guilt and grief stricken that he couldn't move Which he is because in the he's book too yeah so i didn't really get the anger i mean he was angry before like with the whole thing like wanted to go through with the hockey incident but in that moment i was just like <sighs> he just i think he was just stunted yeah because of the realization that this could have been avoided yeah agreed but so he just wanted to make sure he was alive and <laughs> when chris answers the phone he knows he's alive and he knows he saved his friend. Yeah. Because he, he and Chris did have a really good relationship. And, I yeah, in, in the book especially, I really love their relationship. Yeah. But anywhere. Anyway. Anywhere. Anywhere. Um, <laughs> John ends up at a rally for Greg Stilson. And... He's going through the crowd. Shaking hands and kissing babies. Yeah. Kissing crying babies. That baby was like... He kissed the baby and he's like, they they told me to do that. You fucking piece of shit. Tell me it's not Trump, though. It is like it's Or like, it reminds me of the campaign. Like, aren't you going to ask how my fist is after punching the iron-like jaw of that baby? Okay, we'll have to watch that sometime. I heard it's unwatchable, and then my dad a couple months ago was like, no, it's hilarious, you have to watch it. It's fucking hilarious. I gotta watch it. Now I've gotten two good recommendations. When it first came out, people were like, unwatchably bad. And I was like, okay, whatever, I well, just watch it. after we've seen the Donald Trump campaign, it is even funnier. Ha! I love that. So. So, we get <laughs> the most dramatic, I mean, <laughs> over-the-top cheesy dialogued piece of crap no i'm just kidding um anyways you're not kidding when he (laughs) when he goes through the crowd and he touches johnny's hand he does oh sorry gotta put my coffee down yep (laughs) (laughs) and greg stilts is like you gross get the fuck off me (laughs) and uh so he has a vision oh my god (laughs) <laughs> a fucking 
of Still Martin Sheen being the president, which is horrifying to think about. In a, like, silk robe. He looks like, um... Bill Paxton in Independence Day. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he is in this vision. It's him, his lackey, and what I assume is like, I don't know, the head of defense yeah. guy, whatever. Yeah. And they're in the nuke room, is what I'm going to call it. And he puts in the little sequence to, you know, send some nukes out. And the guy puts in his little thing. They tried and- to make it seem futuristic. It was just a fucking fax. It was like a scanner. My destiny. It's like a hand scanner. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, Johnny gets this vision of this guy of the, you know, of Stilson being the president and bombing someone. You don't know who it is, but I mean, these are nuclear weapons that this man has just launched. We see the vice president and a couple other people outside are freaking out about it. And he's like, no, this is my destiny. I'm going to send the bombs out. Boop. Bombs are on the way. Fuck whatever country that is. Which, um, sounds like World War Three. Yeah. Is what I'm assuming. Uh, kind of, that's what it sort of alludes to in the book. It's the, He's starting the next World War. Uh, so Johnny's like, what do I, um, what, um, what, uh, what do I do with that? I love it because um, the doctor, he, like, has sent for um, the doctor, his doctor, Wezak. And Wezak's like, why did you send me? And he's like, if you could go back in time, would you kill Hitler? He's like, why are you asking me this? Which is um, not the question he thinks he's asking. And it is not the question that people think it is when they're asking it. Because here's the thing. When you ask that question, you are asking me if I would go back in time and change the future as I know and live and breathe today. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I would not know my own outcome in the end, mm-hmm. and I would not know... It would change the fabric of the universe as I know and live and breathe today. That's not the question you're really asking me, because the answer is going to be no. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how that's going to affect things, and I, like, I, I'm like i not going to be responsible for that necessarily. It's like the, the question effect. you're asking me is, will I change a future that has yet to come that I have not seen yet, and I don't know? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to change it before I get there and before I know what it would have been. That's a really good point. I, I think about that sometimes whenever someone, because you've heard that question a million times, I think that's not the question you think you're asking because in, the, or in this instance anyway, because like if I, you know, if I knew Donald Trump or whoever was going to start World War Three in 30 years and I had the chance to kill him today, would I? Is a different question than would I go back in time to the 40s and kill Hitler or the 30s or God, you know, whenever he, you know, when he was a kid or whatever. It's not the same question. And mm-hmm. so I think that's so, it's more, it's, it, I don't know. It's so, it's just a really interesting concept to think about because would I go back in time and kill Hitler? No, I don't 
think like that's weird to say no i don't think so because i don't know what the universe would look like today but if i knew something bad was going to happen in the future but i hadn't been to that future yet would i try to change it yeah maybe because i haven't we haven't done that yet i haven't been there yet yeah i don't know if that's making any sense i feel like i'm rambling at this point but no i totally get what you're saying but i liked that he was talking to the doctor and essentially at the end he's like but to answer your question I'd kill that son of a bitch. Yeah. And I was like, all right. I like that. If you like that question, if you find that question interesting, go read Lightning by Dean Koontz. Um, so when he gets that answer, Johnny finally decides, I think I know what I got to do. And we start getting the last chapter of the book is so sad because it's just his letters. He writes a letter to Dr. Wiesak to his dad and to Sarah. And in the movie, it's, I think, just to Sarah. Yeah. Um, but we're getting the voiceover of his letter saying, I know you're not going to understand this, but I have to do this. Um, I hope you can forgive me. I love you. I've always loved you. Um, and he goes to buy a gun. Oh, the line, uh, there's never been anyone for me except you is so sweet. Because for him, it really, like, it, it really, there's never been anyone else. She yeah. has a husband, she has a life, but he's only ever loved her. I mean, yeah. they met when he was, they were in their really early 20s in the book, and first love, you know, like, he had had previous girlfriends, but first serious, like, I think I want to marry this girl, mm -hmm. even though they'd only been dating for a while, but especially yeah. back then, it's like, oh, we're dating, that's, we're gonna get married. <laughs> it's like courtship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so he buys a gun and we know what's going to happen. We know what he's doing. He hides up in this balcony. He's, he's being a martyr. Yes. Um, cause he knows he's going to die. That's why he wrote that. That's why he wrote that letter. And I knew how this ended. I knew how the book ended. So I knew how the movie was going to end. Sarah's not there in the book because Sarah has nothing to do with it. It's a random person. So when I saw Sarah at the thing and she has Denny in her hands and right when it was literally right when Stilson grabs Denny to give him a kiss, I literally went <gasps> and Jeff was like, what? And I was like, nothing. I'll tell you in a minute because it, it, it was in that instant that I was really I realized, oh, my God, Denny is the baby. The oh baby in the gosh. book is a random baby. You don't know the baby. She's a random person. No, it's Denny, which makes it so much crazier. I think I I. Because they changed her character so much, I like the fact that they added her into this because mm -hmm. it makes it so much more impactful. Absolutely. So, so what happens? Uh, Stet I can't forget Stilson. Name. Stilson. Stilson. Um, you know he's like, give me that, like, come up here with the baby. That'll look really good for like my campaign, basically. And so Sarah is on stage with just Denny. Sitting, yeah, sitting in a chair just kind of off to the side. Yeah, and she's standing there hanging out, bouncing the crying baby. And um, Stilson's at the podium talking. Yeah, Johnny's waiting for, like, the perfect moment. And then he turns and stands up and with his gun and Sarah sees him um Johnny gets one shot off and then 
he fucking grabs the baby. Stinson, Stilson grabs the baby and uses a human shield. Literally immediately grabs the baby and starts holding the kid up. And again, this happens in the book. So in the book, you're like, is he going to kill him? Is he going to succeed? You don't know what's going to happen. And in the, you know, he gets a few shots off. He doesn't hit him. And Johnny starts getting shot. And in the book, you're like, oh, my God, Johnny's going to die. And he's not going to get, like, what's going to happen? Like, they're Mm -hmm. not going to know. And he grabs this kid. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. That's, like, that is the, like, the most reprehensible thing you could possibly do Mm -hmm. in that moment. If you, like, I, you can run, you can, you know, I, I, I get there are certain reactions. There's Grabbing a baby and using it as a human shield? A human shield. Not a good reaction. No, <laughs> and again, you don't know that he loves that baby. You don't know that he cares that it's a baby. Most people wouldn't care that there's a baby there. Most people who are going to assassinate someone like that are going to be like, well, that baby's going to, that's a dead baby. Like, but, and in the book, again, he uses a random baby. Johnny still is like, no, I'm not going to shoot this baby. So he right. doesn't take the shot, of course. But it even has more of an impact in that it's his, like, what should have been son. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and so, yeah. So somebody in the crowd, one of the reporters, I think it's Brennan. Brenner or whatever they got. Um, yeah. That was... uh Blackmailed. Blackmailed earlier in the film. So he gets a shot of of him holding this baby as a human shield and runs like hell. <laughs> and Stilson knows. And it ends up on the fucking front of what, Time Magazine, I think? I think so. Of him holding this baby, again, as a human shield. And so Johnny got I shot. I wrote, oh my god, the baby's gonna be Denny, me right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, as he's getting shot, he falls off the balcony He's laying there, you know, he's close to death, and then Stilson comes up to him, and he's like, who the hell are you? Why the hell are you doing this to me? And then, like, they, like, he touches him again, and he sees the, he sees the vision of Stilson with that Time Magazine cover that's like, his career's over, and it's like the baby, him holding the baby as a human shield, and, um, Not, really, I don't even think Donald Trump's followers could support eh, I don't yeah know, some of it, them could at that point he's like his uh his crony was like i gotta go like peace out yeah like, fuck you dude like nobody wants to stand behind that yeah but um, then he shot himself so yeah and then his vision. vision and he's like you're done. you're done you're done for and i this is the change that i love the most because in the book you don't really know if like when it happened and johnny was dying he could kind of like i think he had that sense of, like, I've done something. I think I've changed the future. Yeah. But in the movie, you get that explicit. He knows that he did it. He knows he, like, he got the ending I wanted him to get. He sees him killing himself, and so I'm glad that he got to know that he succeeded. He didn't kill him, but it's better because, and he knows that it's better because if he had killed him, the uh, Stilson would have been martyred. They they would have made him, you know, this this figure of oh my god, this poor man was assassinated. He was our president. He was our candidate. We loved him so much, and he was going to be this like figure for the rest of history. The way any political figure's been assassinated, and it's so much because then everyone knows truly how he is. 
he didn't just get to die and be a hero. He lived and everybody got to see him for the true monster that he was. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. And I very much enjoyed it. Well, Sarah, I mean, it's a small detail, but Sarah comes and like, she's like, Johnny! They hold each other and she's like, I love you. And then... Also, her husband's right there. I just want to point that out. Yeah. But if he gets mad about that, he can go fuck himself. Johnny was uh, she dying. She already fucked him. He doesn't know that. I you could blue skidoo right into the blue skidoo. We can't do into the TV and tell him. I will see oh, that dead guy. Your wife fucked him. Yeah, he wasn't dead at the time. I mean, if Christopher Walken's not your hall pass, then you guys need to work on your marriage. <laughs> but yeah, so my that three was hall in. passes are all women. <laughs> I don't have a boyfriend, so I don't have any hall passes. I can fuck who I want. I'm changing my hall passes. Jess, Jess, and uh, Jess's butt. (laughs) Are you a butt girl? Anyway, uh, I'm cutting that out. Uh, (laughs) The whole thing or just the... I don't, I'm not sure. We'll see when I'm editing. Have you seen that pet? weird, like, ice cream so good. Ice cream so oh, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, yeah. Good for her, though, girl. Have Get you your bag. Have you seen the Victorian ghost child one? It's another, because that's an NPC thing, and there's one, there's a woman doing it, and she's got a candle, and it's all door- dark, and the ones she's doing are all, like, Victorian ghost child. Like, oh, my mother. Oh, mother. Like, it's, it's hilarious. What the fuck is These going on people in this getting their bag. Good for them though. Honestly. I'm not going to be paying them. No. Somebody does though, clearly. But anyways, my final thoughts on this movie. It was a little all over the place. Um like I said, there were points that I like that the serial killer point was I what I thought was going to be the main plot. Um, that should have been the first half of the movie, and then they should have moved on to the second half. They should have cut about half the characters. Yeah. But overall, um, it was enjoyable. I like it because it is different than a lot of the movies we've covered so far, because it's not campy. Yeah. It's actually got a very kind of serious tone to it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's just different. Yeah. And it, it has that tone. I, I, I can't picture it being campy having the director it has having Cronenberg as a director I mean if somebody else had directed it and it had been campy I don't think it would have come across quite as well because this story is not a vessel for that kind of thing or for comedy or anything like that it's a very serious story it's uh, got a lot of weight and a lot of emotion in it um, and that's part of the reason that I didn't do Bag of Bones, because there's too much emotion in that. Um, but... And it's so long. So long. Um, the book's fucking hella long, too. So, but yeah, my final thoughts. I really enjoyed this. I, uh, would... I'll definitely probably watch the movie again in the future. Um, and I probably... But I probably won't read the book again. Uh, there are certain books that I've read a million times, but... I'm glad that I read it once. I really am. Uh, and again, it was beautifully written. And I really want Jeff to read it because I really think he would enjoy it. There are certain people who this book, it just like if you have any interest in political science whatsoever, this book is going to be extremely interesting. 
And there are just those certain parts of it just weren't for me because I have no interest in that. And I don't know a whole lot. And so there was jargon that I didn't quite understand. Mm -hmm. But even when I was reading those parts that I wasn't interested in, they were beautifully written. So I was still having a good time. I am currently reading Pet Cemetery because we're going to be reviewing that in a few weeks. And I have never read the book. And I've heard it's the saddest thing he's ever written. Oh, good. I love the movie, though. I've seen that a hundred times. We're going to be doing the original, not the remake. I have not seen the remake. I haven't either. But I'm going to try to watch it before the uh, episode where we do the original just because. I'm down. I'll try to watch it, too. Just because I want to try to compare. Yeah. Because I've seen the original. Yeah. Of course. A million times. So. I, yep. Sometimes your dad is better. But, um, yeah. So. (laughs) Next week, I think we are. Uh, I can't remember what we're doing next week. We're doing uh, Maximum Overdrive here soon. Um, is this going to give me an idea? No, I can't remember what we're <laughs> doing next. Um, but yeah, we're keep chugging along on Stephen King Summer. We've got three, four, four weeks, something like that left, maybe five. Um, and then after Stephen King Summer, we're going to have sweet baby Katie on as a guest again. Uh, She was a previous guest on Funny Games. She has not been on a video episode. We're going to be eventually doing uh, Midnight Meat Train with Katie. That's going to be our first non-Stephen King movie um, before we head into our found footage fall. Found footage fall. Which our sweet angel Jess is putting together still currently, uh, which we're so excited about. Oh, man. Um, It's going to be hard to narrow it down, honestly. I know. I want to do kind of like what you did with Stephen King Summer, like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. I want some really fucking dumb ones in there. Yeah. And you just get on Tubi, and it's littered with them. I love that. So my options are endless. I love that. And there's, yeah, man, there's just something about anthology because it can be so good, and it can be so bad, and then it can be so bad that it turns into something amazing. Um, So I'm excited for all that. But in the meantime, uh, make sure that you uh, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Barely Living Dreadful, on Twitter at Living Dreadful. And you can always email us comments, questions, concerns, and requests at BarelyLivingDreadful at gmail.com. And in the meantime, stay stay spooky. spooky. Bye. Bye. And thank you for 100 followers on YouTube. The ice is gonna break. (laughs) (laughs) The Casey is gonna fall.